You're listening to the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel, part of AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hi, I'm Anna Cohen Rosenblum. I'm an academic hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University in New Orleans. And I'm David Landy, an academic hip and knee replacement surgeon at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. And now we're going to hear from our international guests. Hi, I'm Jonathan Howell. I'm a consultant orthopedic surgeon at Exeter in the UK. And I'm Matthew Hubble, and I also work in Exeter in the UK. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have you ever been to the AUKUS annual meeting before? Yeah, I have back in 2019, just before COVID shut the world down. Really enjoyed it and joined Arcus as a result. I came in uh, the British Hip Society. I was on the presidential line at the time and the British Hip Society was the guest society that year. And so we were royally entertained by Arcus and uh, had a great time. So I've never been lucky enough to come in person. I've attended twice virtually during COVID, presented virtually, but this is my first time in the flesh. So I only got in last night, so oh my I haven't really had a chance to sample so the that delights. Must, that must be why you don't have a cowboy hat on yet. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been here long enough. So what do you think uh, are some differences between scientific conferences in England or Europe and America? Size? <laughs> I mean, we're in Texas, everything's bigger here. I think scientific conferences have those similarities and differences, I think, between here and the UK. What I notice the similarities are that the ARCUS is very similar to, say, the British Hip Society scientific meeting in, in that it's focused at the specialty that the doctor works in. Whereas some, the meeting like the American Academy is much more general and would be more like the British Orthopaedic Association meeting and perhaps more focused at, at general education rather than getting into the real finer details of each subspecialty, which is where I think Arcus's strength is. Not, not to get political, but just hmm. think about some of the content at the conferences. You know, I think at least here, there's been a big focus on sort of the financing or business side of total joint replacement and even advocacy work and that sort of merging with, with research. Do you see the same thing over in England or is it not quite the same topic? Not, not at all. I mean, the whole issue of, sort of running your practice and the more commercial side is something that we're naive to really because the vast majority of us spend most of our practice working in the National Health Service. I mean, the waiting list to see me in clinic is three or four months. The waiting list to have an operation is two years. And so the commercial pressures that are present in other countries just don't really apply on an individual basis for the surgeon. You know, our biggest pressures are dealing with the demand, the excessive demand on, on our service. Uh, and I think that's a major, major problem, in, certainly in the UK, but much of the world at the, at the moment. So are there people kind of presenting and researching on efficiency there and how you can get more cases done in a day? Or <laughs> There's an, I mean, we, we've joined various schemes at, at our hospital to try to do that. We, Jonathan's just led on the building of an ambulatory orthopedic centre to really try to get through. The trouble is it's created, in, certainly in our area, a two-tier system. So if you're fit and you haven't got multiple medical comorbidities, your waiting times are short, your stay in hospital is, you know, day case, and you're treated rapidly. The problem is if you're not fit, getting into the large hospital where you need the associated specialties is is very difficult, and the waiting times are terrible, and so the people with the greatest need are getting the worst service. It is somewhat interesting that we seem to be in similar places, but we just got there through very different routes. (laughs) 
I think efficiency and short stay has certainly been a focus for the scientific meetings back in the UK. But as Matthew says, we don't see the, the focus on running a practice and business aspects that you get here. Or well, certainly not at the surgeon level, because, you know, no. obviously the hospital administration have those issues. But on a surgeon level, it's not our day-to-day responsibility. So you both are going to be part of a symposium during this meeting about cementing femoral components. One of the big concerns we have, especially members of the Young Arthroplasty Group who are residents or fellows in their first five years in practice, is they may not feel as comfortable with that technique based on the amount of training they've had. So, of course, we'll all be at your symposium, but do you have any other advice you would have for our members how to feel more comfortable with cementing femoral stems if they may not feel like they've had enough training for that? I understand the concern on that. I mean, we all like to be well trained for the procedures that we perform. And, you know, there's nothing worse than going into an operation for which you feel underprepared. I would say that I don't think cementing a femur is a particularly difficult task. I do think it's a team-based task. So I understand that if the team around people is not familiar with cement, then that adds an additional challenge. In terms of advice, I think attending a workshop helps to get familiar with with cementing techniques and we're, we're hoping to be running several of those workshops next year within the United States or any other form of uh, teaching forum, preferably practical in nature, and just building that familiarity with cement. But I, mean, I suppose cement is a, a fairly familiar material to most of the orthopedic surgeons because it's fairly widely used in knee replacements. So it's not entirely unknown, but there are some nuances to technique for using uh, cemented stems, for sure. Yeah, I think anybody who's got the skills to become an orthopaedic surgeon has the skills to cement a femur. It's not a difficult task at all. It's just something that you need to have seen and you need to have practiced before you do. In the UK, cement has always had a tradition, you know, it, it didn't go and then come back again. It's always been present. And so we learn with our hemiarthroplasties as junior trainees. And so by the time we do our first total hip replacement, we're comfortable with the femoral side already. And I would say that's the same thing, you know, perhaps to do here. You know, start with your cementing experience after you've been on a training workshop on hemiarthroplasties and then build up from there. But it's not a mystique. It's very straightforward. It's just something that you just have to be familiar with. Now, do you think the trend of hybrid fixation with an uncemented acetabular component and a cemented femoral stem that's been happening in the UK, do you think that will continue and sort of become the norm, or will there still be a significant role for cemented acetabular components? It is now the commonest in total hip arthroplasty in the UK is a hybrid with an uncemented cup and a cemented stem. About 30% of cups are still cemented in the UK, but that number is slowly declining. So I think the hybrid is, and you know, 60% of stems are cemented in the UK now, which compared to the US is a tenfold, (laughs) tenfold higher figure. And, you know, we'll say tomorrow about some of the reasons for that. But I think the hybrid is becoming the favorite of most orthopedic surgeons in the UK. And if you look at comparable areas in the world, other registries, Australia and New Zealand, they also have a high proportion of cemented stems, but with uncemented cups. So the hybrid in in those areas has also really picked up, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue. So I think Anna and I both cement some of the femoral stems for our total hip patients, but one of the things I'll hear from my partners or other surgeons in the community is, oh, what if it gets infected? Like, then i got to remove all this cement. I was hoping you guys could maybe just talk a little bit about do you have to remove all the cement when you're managing in a uh, periprosthetic infection with a cemented stem? And sort of how do you address those cases, one stage, two stage type of thing? 
So I will be talking a little bit about a technique called cement in cement revision tomorrow in the uh, symposium. But removing the stem is not difficult from a, a cement mantle generally with most designs uh, and that gives you access to the mantle if you need to remove it. We have published from Exeter on retaining a cement mantle in the presence of infection. It can be done in some selected patients. But I'd almost put the, the question back because uh, I would be worried about how do you deal with a very well fixed uncemented stem that's infected you know and, and the potential destruction to the femur that occurs with that so actually I think there are techniques for removing the cement pretty atraumatically you can either do it from from the top if you've got good light and decent instruments or if necessary go to an ETO once the stem's out it's very straightforward it gives you access to the cement mantle which can be chipped out I personally don't find an ETO access to a, a well fixed uncemented stem is always straightforward so I think infection and revision for infection is one of the most challenging things that we do as arthroplasty surgeons be that cemented or uncemented frankly I would, I would agree with Jonathan. If you've got an ETO to do this afternoon, I'd much rather it was with a cemented stem because I can tap out the cemented stem and then I can cut straight across the femur. If I've got to do an ETO on a well-fixed, uncemented stem, I've got to try to persuade the femur to break where I want it to break, which is not always guaranteed. Any other advantages to using a cemented stem for our listeners that maybe can help persuade them one way or another? Well, Anna, we're almost previewing my talk tomorrow at the symposium, <laughs> but... Uh, I think one of the things we find very helpful is, is the ability to recreate the anatomy with cemented stems. And for that, we need control of offset and leg length and version as variables independent of each other and independent of the stem size. And the, the presence of the cement mantle gives the surgeon incredible flexibility on restoring the anatomy. So if we take leg length, for instance, uh, that is essentially dependent on the depth of insertion of a stem and the presence of a cement mantle around the stem allows the surgeon to control how deep or uh, or not to put the stem and therefore to really control the leg length of course with that ability comes responsibility you have to get it right you have to plan it properly uh, and measure it and then if you, if you consider version there is quite good evidence to show that with uncemented stems the the stem tends to go where the patient's native femur is, which means that if you need to change the version, it can be very difficult to do. Whereas the cement with the cement mantle, it's much easier to add or, or reduce version as you need to, to get a balanced hip. Matthew? No, I think that's, for me, a lot of people who have not trained in the UK, you know, they look horrified if they come into theatre and we're doing a young patient, you know, in their 50s with a cemented stem. They go, no, 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 you're not allowed. That's not allowed. And the answer is the results speak for themselves in terms of survival. But I'm not doing it for survival because the survival on cemented stems is very, very good. It's about my ability to balance that joint, to have a restored anatomy. Uh, you know, I did a case you know, last week just before we came out and he's a, a guy who's in his 40s and he's a national level powerboat racer and he's got minus 12 or 12 degrees of retroversion on his native femur. Uh, and I put in his stem at 22 degrees with a robot of antiversion. So that's 34 degrees change, which I can achieve easily with a cemented stem. You know, and I think that's a really difficult situation to get a balanced hip with an uncemented stem. And then one last sort of question. If everyone could just talk a little bit, these ties and then Anna's scarf are <laughs> incredible. Uh, something we do not see a lot of in America. Okay, so I'm not sure this is going to come across <laughs> yeah, well on, on a radio. A, a visual medium. <laughs> of 
Um, Matthew and I are wearing uh, ties. I, I'm wearing the, uh, the tie from the Princess Elizabeth Orthopaedic Centre, which is our uh, unit. Um, so I'm, I'm not, Matthew, I'm so not even sure what the cross oh, is. Well, I will, I will help you there. <laughs> so okay. what's Jonathan's tie is the symbol on it is, is the blue cross of St. Francis with the white rose of York on top of it. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is that the Duke and Duchess of York, as they were then, before he became King George VI, he came with his baby daughter to open our orthopaedic hospital in 1927. And the baby Elizabeth, as, who's of course re recently just passed, uh, the orthopaedic hospital was named after her. And as they were the Duke and Duchess of York, the white rose of York was the symbol based on the Blue Cross of St. Francis. And of course, Jonathan knew that, he'd just forgotten. Oh, I didn't. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for the history lesson, Matt. <laughs> uh, and I am wearing our 50th celebration tie. So it's a tie with a hip stem on it and golden 50s because it's our golden anniversary tie for the which was two years ago was the 50th anniversary of the first ever extra hip stem that was put into a patient and i have a, a scarf version of that which these gentlemen graciously gave to me when i visited as part of the uh, british hip society american hip society traveling fellowship in september so yeah thank you thank you for asking interesting question <laughs> <laughs> we can cut it what's, if people want what is on your tie lady <laughs> oh, this is just a generic <laughs> My wife chose it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or my mother-in-law. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us, and we look forward to attending your symposium uh, later during the meeting. Thank you for joining us for the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.